Welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is Nick Zelf, and this is the only place to be spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. Our team goes through the literature to find you the best articles so that you don't have to and provides expert summaries no bigger than a spoonful so that you can keep up with the ever-changing landscape of acute care medicine. This is the audio version of the past week summaries brought to you by the delightful Aaron Lacey, Rick Ramirez, and Clay Smith. Our first article is titled Ultrasound to Detect Central Venous Catheter Placement Associated Complications, a multi-center diagnostic accuracy study out of the Journal of Anesthesiology. So as it stands, after placing a central venous catheter, a chest x-ray is the study of choice to check position and look for complications. But wouldn't ultrasound do just as well? This was a prospective study of post-op ICU patients, which included 758 central venous catheter placements. Malposition was determined by either directly visualizing the tip in the wrong place or by using a bubble study, looking for laminar flow of microbubbles to appear in the right atrium within two seconds. The sensitivity of ultrasound compared to chest x-ray for malposition was 70% a confidence interval of 49 to 86%, and the specificity was 99%. Ultrasound detected five pneumothoraxes, while chest x-ray detected 11. However, since chest x-ray is actually a poor gold standard for pneumothorax detection, they looked at agreement between the two instead. Ultrasound and chest x-ray agreed on pneumothorax 98.9% of the time, with a kappa of 0.5. That's not a great kappa. They made the point that one malposition out of 758 placements was missed by ultrasound. While ultrasound and chest x-ray together detected all clinically relevant pneumothoraxes. They did not use ultrasound before line placement, and there was some thought that some pneumothoraxes may have been present before line placement. Here's our author Clay's take. He doesn't agree with the author's conclusions that, and I quote, ultrasound is an accurate diagnostic modality to detect malposition and pneumothorax. Just wasn't true. A test with a sensitivity of 70% is not a good screening tool. In a spoonful, ultrasound was not sensitive for detecting internal jugular or subclavian venous catheter malposition, but was comparable to chest x-ray for detecting pneumothorax. The rest of the articles this week are going to kind of run on a theme as we pit interosseous IO versus intravenous IV delivery method for medications in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest head-to-head. So the next article is titled Interosseous versus Intravenous Administration of Adrenaline in Patients with Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest, a secondary analysis of the Paramedic 2 placebo-controlled trial out of the Journal for Intensive Care Medicine. I know, and I know that you know, the literature is back and forth on giving epi and out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, but the paramedic 2 trial showed an increase in survival at 30 days in those who received epi versus placebo. Does the root matter, though? Specifically, IV versus IO we're looking at. And this is important implications for good pre-hospital protocols. This was a secondary analysis of the paramedic 2 data comparing outcomes when given either epi or placebo via IV or IO lines. About 30% of the treatment and placebo groups, with an N over 1100, received either epi or placebo through IO lines. The primary outcome of survival at 30 days and the secondary outcome of favorable neurological outcome at discharge 
had no statistical difference in adjusted odds ratios between IV and IL. Another secondary outcome, return of spontaneous circulation at hospital handoff, was significantly similar between the two groups, with adjusted odds ratios of 4.07 for IV and 3.98 for IO. It should be kept in mind that in the pre-hospital protocol for this study was that the IO route would only be used after failed or predicted difficult IV access. But first attempt success was high for the IO group at 94.8% versus 81.6% for IV, which our author Aaron points out can kind of make you wonder what the effect might be to default to IO instead of IV for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, similar to the use of a bougie as a first-pass device for all airway attempts. In a spoonful, for patients who suffered out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, there was no significant difference in the administration of epi or placebo via IO or IV on return of spontaneous circulation at hospital handover. The next article, still on our theme, is the intravenous versus interosseous adrenaline administration in an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, a retrospective cohort study out of the Journal of Resuscitation. The 2018 ACLS guidelines say that either IV or IO epinephrine can be given, treating them as interchangeable throughout the algorithm. What we just saw from the paramedic 2 data was that there was no difference between IO and IV epi administration on return of spontaneous circulation. But what's science without repetition? This was a retrospective study of almost 36,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients from the Resuscitation Outcomes Consortium Arrest Registry from 2011 to 2015. Of these patients, 78% received EPIV and the remaining 8,000 patients received it via IO. There were differences between the groups. For example, more patients who got IV epi had bystander witnessed arrest and shockable rhythm. But statistically adjusting for this and other confounders, IV epi came out on top for three key outcomes. Those being return of spontaneous circulation with an adjusted odds ratio of 1.37, survival to discharge with an adjusted odds ratio of 1.27, and survival with favorable neurological outcomes with an adjusted odds ratio of 1.85. Propensity matching was also done with 5,700 of the patients, which were well-matched for everything except for vascular access, and the result was similar, thus supporting the previous findings as well. Benefits were present in both shockable and non-shockable rhythms. These results appear quite compelling, but we know that no statistical maneuvers can adjust for all confounders, and only an RCT can truly answer this question. But that being said, the association was still found, and it may be advisable to use IV lines first if you can get it. In a spoonful, in a cohort of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients, administration of IV epinephrine as opposed to IO epinephrine was associated with improved return of spontaneous circulation, survival to discharge, and survival with favorable neurological outcome. Our fourth paper is titled Survival After Intravenous Versus Interosseous Amiodarone, Lidocaine, or Placebo in an Out-of-Hospital Shock Refractory Cardiac Arrest out of the Journal of Circulation. We've already mentioned it today. Getting IV access can be hard. The American Heart Association recommends attempting IO and delivering medications through this route if IV fails. However, 
Comparing these two routes for the administration of antiarrhythmics and comparing patient survival and intact neurological status has never been previously studied. This study was a pre-specified analysis of the Resuscitation Outcomes Consortium Amiodarone Lidocaine or Placebo Study, shortening to ROC-ALPS, trial comparing differences in IV or IO route on the survival to discharge in adults with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest due to shock refractory VFib or pulseless VTEC who are randomly assigned by the EMS personnel to either amiodarone, lidocaine, or placebo. Of the 3,019 patients studied, 661 received their medications via the IO route. Overall, hospital discharge survival rates were 23%. Now, compared with placebo, discharge survival was significantly higher in those who received IV amiodarone, with an adjusted risk ratio of 1.26, and also true of IV lidocaine, with an adjusted risk ratio of 1.21. However, for the same outcome of discharge survival, this was found to be unchanged in recipients of amiodarone or lidocaine through the IO route compared with placebo. IV administration of amiodarone also produced a significantly increased rate of survival with improved neurological outcome at discharge over placebo, with an adjusted risk ratio of 1.24. IV lidocaine just not making the cut for statistical significance in this measure. But when you compare the two routes directly, IV versus IO, there is no statistical differences for any drug for any outcome. In a spoonful, for patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, both amiodarone and lidocaine, when compared with placebo, significantly improved survival to hospital discharge when given via the IV route compared with IO. Now for our fifth summary, rather than another article summary, our last topic is actually a wrap-up of our little duel between IV and IO. IO is a quick way to get access in a code, faster than IV and with a better first-pass success. But physiologically, IV makes more sense for drug delivery. But does that pan out? First, we saw no differences between IV and IO for epi from the analysis of the paramedic 2 trial. No difference comparing the two for 30-day survival. However, it's hard to ignore that there was an association with improved survival at 30 days when epi was given IV, but no association with improved survival when given IO. Next, we saw a trial where IV epi looked better, showing a clear association between improved return of spontaneous circulation, 30-day survival, and survival with good neurological outcomes when epi was given IV as opposed to IO. Lastly, we saw that IV administration of antiarrhythmics looks better. The ROC-ALPS reanalysis showed administration of IV amiodarone or lidocaine was associated with improved survival to discharge, but intraosseous administration of the very same medications was not. To get to the bottom of this, our man Clay found several other retrospective studies favoring IV. Now, the mighty Cochrane has yet to pass judgment. But a meta-analysis from Spain reviewed five retrospective studies, four of which we've alluded to, and found that IO access was, and I quote, related to poor outcomes in terms of return of spontaneous circulation and survival at hospital discharge, end quote. The return of spontaneous circulation having an odds ratio of 0.69 and worse survival to discharge an odds ratio of 0.65. So... 
observational data seems to favor giving medication IV during arrest rather than IO. But keep in mind that IO is faster, and if IV doesn't work out, do not hesitate. In a spoonful, from the best evidence available, it looks like giving medications during arrest is best done intravenously instead of intraosseously. And that's it for the journal feed for this week. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where, if you'd like, you can also sign up for our newsletter and get these spoon feeds through your email every day. We love to keep up with the latest research. We'd love to help you do the same, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.